Entering the 2023 college football season, Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines have the luxury of boasting the nation's most cohesive and stable roster. Why is that? They're number three in power football programs in returning production. They return a plethora of key starters and players like J.J. McCarthy at quarterback, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards at running back, Trevor Keegan and Zach Zinner at the offensive guard position, Michigan's interior offensive line, and their running back room was the reason they had the nation's number one rushing attack last year, with really only Ole Miss in contention for that title. Michigan brought in transfers at tackle and offensive center, who came well before fall camp and have been playing and have gelled with the team for a while now. Michigan at tight end has Colston Loveland. They have a deep wide receiver room with multiple breakout candidates in Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson, Darius Clemens, and more recently, Tyler Morris, who we'll talk about a significant amount in this video. Defensively, they return Chris Jenkins. They bring back Jalen Harrell. Braden McGregor seems poised for a breakout season. They have to replace Mike Morris and Mozzie Smith. But outside of the defensive line and losing DJ Turner at corner, all the other primary contributors, especially later in the season, have returned. Will Johnson's recovering from an injury, but Michigan wasted no time bringing in Josh Wallace, a corner from UMass, to potentially start opposite of Will Johnson and to add depth to the, the cornerback room. At safety, Rod Moore and Makari Page are great. And at linebacker, the room was already deep entering the season with Michael Barrett returning along with Junior Colson, but Ernest Hausman decided to transfer in from Nebraska. This team, roster-wise, has the least amount of questions out of any college football team. The least amount. Florida State and Kansas return more production than Michigan does. Those are the only power football programs to do so. However, they have a much lower ceiling and they have not recruited or developed nearly as well as Michigan has under Jim Harbaugh, let alone in the past two or three years. Florida State, and to a much greater degree, Kansas, are still somewhat projects. They're not in final form. We don't know what their final form is. Michigan, if what they have done over the past two years is their final form, they're still going to be a top-five program nationally. And with the amount of production returning this season, I don't think they're in final form. I think this team is going to go 15-0 and and win it all. And I've said that in several videos, whether Michigan-related or non-Michigan-related. But today what I want to talk about is the fall camp news and how it relates to the fact that this roster is its deep. It has a freakish, almost horrifyingly good upside to it. There aren't too many downsides on the roster. There are not too many weak spots. Corner's a potential one. Wide receiver is a potential one. In fact, I made a video documenting what I think Michigan football's weaknesses could be for this season. I'm going to link it down below because it, it somewhat relates to the main talking points of fall camp so far, which are who's the breakout candidate wide receiver? How is corner doing? And J.J. McCarthy as well. I don't think that he's going to be a weakness this season. In fact, I think he's going to be the best Big Ten quarterback. However, against TCU, 
against Nebraska, against Illinois, even against Rutgers, he struggled mightily in either completing more than 50% of his pass attempts or against TCU, making way too risky throws, which ended up giving TCU 14 points and costing Michigan a trip to the national championship game where they would have played Georgia far more competitively. But today we're going to be talking about the fall camp and splitting it into the offense and the defense as both sides deserve their own separate talking points. However, before we get into that, I want to talk about this team more so and I think some of the goals surrounding this team. This team certainly looking at the talent that is that is just put together by the coaching staff and how the staff has developed it. This is definitely Jim Harbaugh's most talented team. I have no doubt about that. The 2016 team rivaled the 2021 team, and I'd say actually beat it out in total talent. Now in execution and efficiency, absolutely not. But 2016 was something special. That team was special. Last year's team, I'd say, would truly rivaled 2016's roster in terms of how special it was. This year, this team will certainly no doubt surpass 2016's in the amount of raw potential it has. Now, as always, as a Michigan fan, there is that voice in the back of my head that tells me that this might be a massively disappointing season. I saw a video by a YouTuber talking about how this Michigan team has the chance to potentially faceplant like the 2007 team, or at least he was entertaining that question. Here's the difference between this team and the 2017. This team has a strong mindset. This team got humbled last year against TCU. And they're deeper. They're less arrogant. They still know what it's like to lose. There are still players from that 2020 team, or even the 2021 team that got humiliated by Michigan State, and even more so by Georgia. And you bet that J.J. McCarthy remembers that TCU game, because frankly, he was the biggest reason why Michigan lost him in the first quarter and the second quarter and the third quarter. And by the time that we saw all of his highs and there were moments where J.J. McCarthy looked extremely good against the Horned Frogs, it was too late. TCU already made Michigan uncomfortable within its identity. And at that point, because the game's 60 minutes and not 80 minutes, the Michigan comeback there wasn't enough time for Michigan to come back and win that game. So I think this team is a, a hunger and a, a chip on their shoulder to them that will benefit them. I think they're mentally tough. I don't think that this team will disappoint in the way that a 2007 or even 2016 team would disappoint. I think this team's floor, quite frankly, is 11-2. and two. And in my mind, that would be severely disappointing. But 11-2 and two means you go 10-2, and two, Let's say you lose to Michigan State or Ohio State, but win a New Year's Six Bowl, or you lose to Penn State and Ohio State, but win the New Year's Six Bowl, or 11-1, and loses in the semifinal, or loses in the New Year's Six Bowl game if they're left out of the semifinal, which with an 11-1 and record, it would be a hard argument to leave Michigan out of a semifinal, especially since I think this year's going to be chaotic and really only Georgia, Ohio State, and Michigan will be those stabilizing forces that are just going to look top-tier elite throughout the season. 
but we'll have to see how the games play out after all this is just preseason talk. But from what I am hearing in fall camp, this team looks like they're ready to compete for and win a national championship. And also, unlike any other Michigan team we've seen before, mentioning the 2017, 2007 team, pardon me, and the 2016 team, this team is loaded at every position with potential NFL talent. It isn't just selective, and it isn't just in some starting lineups. It's also in the two deep in some cases. I think the offensive line, the backups would make up one of the nation's better offensive lines. And Michigan this year, with several players, more than half of the starters on each side of the football, they're going to run out of eligibility this season. Nearly the entire starting lineup, minus Darius Clemens, Colston Loveland on offense, and minus Mason Graham and Will Johnson on defense, could declare if they wanted to. And the great majority of them could get drafted. Michigan very well could get more players drafted than 15, which was Georgia's record that they set, I believe, in the 2022 NFL draft. I believe. I think that's what it was. Maybe it was 2023, but I'm pretty confident it was 2022. Michigan could very easily break that record, and that would not surprise me. Now, I'm not going to predict it in this video, but I think in a preseason video, I will have made up my mind whether Michigan's going to make that. So stay tuned for a video about Michigan and probably Ohio State and Penn State and Big Ten overall, how the Big Ten will do in the 2024 NFL Draft. Like, what rosters do I think have the highest ceiling, the most talent for both the college level, but also long-term in the NFL? I want to talk about Michigan's offense first, then move on to the defense and talk about some very key position battles that are going on. Um, first and foremost offensively what's the buzz that we're hearing on offense for the Michigan Wolverines well first and foremost offensively there's quarterback J.J. McCarthy now J.J. McCarthy is one of the nation's best quarterbacks and the reason I paused there is because he's not a Caleb Williams and he's not a Drake May he's not elite I saw that some analysts said that they think J.J. McCarthy might be the best might be the best quarterback in the 2024 NFL Draft, and I'm going to have to see that before I believe it, honestly. J.J. McCarthy doesn't weigh enough, even though he just broke 200 pounds this preseason. His leadership skills look much improved, and I have no doubt that he's going to be a much better player this season, but he doesn't have the build, and he only has one he only has one year starting, and this season, where I think he'll play at a near-elite level, he'll only have one year of near-elite production, whereas Caleb Williams will have two, Bo Nix will probably have two, even Michael Penix, despite his injury history, if he can stay fully healthy this season, he won't have the experience advantage in, in the sense of him playing at an NFL level compared to many other quarterbacks, not just in the Pac-12 but overall across the nation. So I don't think that he's going to be the number one quarterback on the board in 2024. I'm not going to predict that. Michigan breaking the number of players drafted? Absolutely. That's something that is definitely possible, and I'm going to make a prediction about that. But J.J. McCarthy being number one on the board? 
no, I'm staying away from that. However, Caleb Williams and Drake May aren't the only quarterbacks in Division I FBS. There's over 130 starting quarterbacks in Division I FBS. There's around 70 who are currently power programs. The Power 5, of course, will be gone after this season. It'll be replaced by the Power 4, which is what I'm going to reference it as when I talk about conference expansion from here on out. But J.J. McCarthy is top 5, top 6, top 7, top 8. He's in that range. He He's in that, in my opinion, 8 to 4 range for quarterbacks nationwide. I think Drake May, Mike, not Michael Penix, but Caleb Williams are objectively much better than he is, definitely when it comes to the NFL. I do think Michael Penix is a better college quarterback. Bo Nix probably is as well. And there are others, too, that could contend, like Kyle McCord could end up being better, for example. However, great quarterback. Last year, he was top 20 in quarterback efficiency. He led the Big Ten in a while in completion percentage until he had a pretty mediocre November set of games, minus the Ohio State game and the Big Ten championship game against Purdue, where he looked really good. And Harbaugh praised his leadership. It seems like McCarthy could be a captain on the team. He seems incredibly mature. He's taken strides. And it seems like he's going to take a bigger leap from 2022 to 2023 than he did from 2021 to 2022, which would be pretty significant. So what I'm hearing out of camp regarding J.J. McCarthy is all positive. All positive, no negatives. And that's what I'm hearing. Wide receiver's a little different. Now, there are plenty of positives. Wide receiver core has a high ceiling, and they're deep. Now, they're never going to be Ohio State's wide receiver core. Michigan would have to land Ryan Wingo, a five-star wide receiver in the 2024 class, and continue to add five stars and develop at a higher level at that position. Michigan's had five-star wide receivers before, like Donovan Peoples-Jones, and they're never utilized. So that's another thing, although I'm more confident Michigan will get better in passing the football and get better at it and have a better passing attack. I can't see Michigan ever being like Ohio State in the realm of a passing offense. But Michigan should pass the football more this season, which is why I'm zooming in on quarterback and wide receiver, because reports out of fall camp are also saying that Michigan is taking more passing reps than they are rushing reps, which is quite interesting. Tyler Morris is the main guy who's being talked about in the wide receiver room. He's turning heads, reportedly, and McCarthy said that he thinks Morris will have a huge season. Morris is built like Ronnie Bell, but more talented because he was a former near-top 100 recruit. Morris, out of high school, was six foot, 175 pounds, recruited by Josh Gaddis and Sharon Moore. He was a top 20 wide receiver in the nation, according to 24-7 Sports. He won the 15-16 high jump at the Junior Olympics Games in 2018. He had over 1,700 yards of total offense and 24 touchdowns as a sophomore, being offered by teams like Notre Dame, Maryland, Florida, for example, and many other high-level schools as well. And he played with J.J. McCarthy at Nazareth Academy in Illinois. So there's some chemistry there. That's about it for the wide receiver room, is Tyler Morris. That's what we're hearing out of the wide receiver room there. And the reason I say that, that's about it, is because Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson, 
They're going to improve. We know that. Darius Clemens, however, seems to remain inconsistent, which isn't good news. And Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson both improving is good. However, I'm looking for one of them to break out this year. Tyler Morris hasn't played much, if at all, in his past two seasons at Michigan. He just hasn't. So seeing him come on the field and have a good season, I don't anticipate that he's immediately going to be a near 1,000-yard or pure 1,000-yard wide receiver in his first year of action, though that's certainly possible. Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson, I want to see them begin to make headlines because Roman Wilson is really fast. He's going to be one of the fastest wide receivers when NFL scouts scout him and other wide receivers for the 2024 NFL draft. And Cornelius Johnson has been Michigan's most consistent wide receiver outside of Ronnie Bell for the past two seasons. So I want Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson to make more news. I think one of them will still break out. Tyler Morris, there's a lot of news surrounding him, and I'm going to trust that. I'd pick Roman Wilson more so than Johnson just because of his raw athleticism and the fact that he hasn't been able to stay healthy. If Roman Wilson can stay healthy, I think he'll have a massive year, potentially be one of the few Michigan 1,000-yard wide receivers since I think Michigan will be playing in 15 games, which means more receptions, more targets, more receiving touchdowns, consequentially, of course, more receiving yards. Michigan's going to pass the football more this season. Now I think they're still going to rush for over 250 yards per game, which will be quite the feat, but they'll also pass more. And I made a video about Ohio State earlier today where I said the Buckeyes will pass and rush for more than 250 yards each. I think the Wolverines will do relatively the same. They'll have one of the best offenses in the country, and the reason for that is because the strides they'll take in the passing game. Of course, with running backs, they're still good. Donovan Edwards and Blake Corm are recovering from their injuries, but I mainly wanted to focus on the passing offense because we know we know that the run game is going to be phenomenal, especially with that offensive line, which also got good reports in the spring game. Not the spring game, but fall camp. Pardon me. Defensively, and this relates to the offensive line. Defensively, it was reported that the D-line is pushing the offensive line, which is very encouraging because Michigan's offensive line is the deepest and best in the nation. So the defensive line being able to go toe-to-toe with it and hold the O-line at the point of attack is rather impressive, especially with Michigan's defensive tackles. Michigan's pass rush over the past two seasons averaged has been much better than their defensive tackle play. Defensive tackle play was a massive weakness in 2021, and yes, it definitely improved in 2022, but it wasn't elite. Now Chris Jenkins, who's being projected as a future first-rounder, and I have him sneak peek on my first-team All-Big Ten list, along with Mason Graham and Kenneth Grant, who won't be as good as Jenkins, but boy, I think Mason Graham has a really high ceiling. I think that he could be a generational defensive tackle in a year or two. The defensive tackle room's deep. They're pushing the interior offensive line. And defensive ends, whether it's Josiah Stewart, whether it's Braden McGregor, Derek Moore, Jalen Harrell, those are great players, and there's going to be battles for those positions. I mean, Jalen Harrell and Braden McGregor are the seniors. They're the most experienced. 
they look to be the starters, but Derek Moore and Josiah Stewart, I have no doubt they're going to get significant playing time, especially Josiah Stewart. Stewart isn't built like a traditional Big Ten defensive end. He's smaller. He reminds me of more of an edge hybrid linebacker position like you would see in Jim Knowles' defense where he tried to put Jack Sawyer in that position and it just never worked. I think Josiah Stewart would fit extremely well there. However, he's with Michigan. He's in a different system than what Jim Knowles is running, albeit there are many similarities since both are a 4-2-5. But he's fast. He's tough. He knows how to use momentum. I think you'll see him on the field a lot. And while he isn't big, he's going to get after the quarterback if he can get past the offensive tackles that he'll be matching up against. So the pass rush here is rather impressive, that's for sure. And the defensive tackles, I think the defensive tackles are going to be amongst the best in the nation. And Ohio State, inside the Big Ten, they're going to say something about that. Same with LSU, same with Georgia. They always have good interior defensive linemen. So Michigan defensively, whether it's at edge, defensive end, or defensive tackle, they're amongst the best of the best. So Michigan having overall probably the nation's best trench play on both the defensive side and offensive side of the football combined. It's very impressive. Zaxner and Trevor Keegan said that Chris Jenkins especially is challenging them. So that's a big encouraging thing to hear. Ernest Hausman is receiving high praise in the linebacker core. Hausman is someone who immediately when he transferred to Michigan, I saw him getting significant playing time, and that's playing out in fall camp. He's definitely going to be receiving playing time. I have no doubt he'll get over 30 tackles, maybe a sack or two, definitely some tackles for loss. He'll be in that rotation, probably rotating in and out with Michael Barrett or maybe being on the field with both of them if Michigan decides to go multiple. But Junior Colson's certainly the lockdown starter at that position, but Hausman is competing with Barrett. Barrett returned for his sixth year. He had a breakout season last year, and there's no doubt that he could get a little bit better this year. After all, he didn't return for no reason. He wants to boost any potential draft stock and have a shot at winning a national championship. However, there are some other players outside of Hausman who are worth talking about in the realm of the linebacker core. And those players are Jaden Hood and Jimmy Rolder. Jimmy Rolder is a sophomore, and a true sophomore, and Jaden Hood is a redshirt sophomore. These are younger guys, highly talented. Jimmy Rolder was a four-star out of high school, and Jaden Hood's been with the program for three seasons, being redshirted for one and being on being fully eligible to play in all games for the other two. Michigan was thinner at linebacker in 2022 with really only Junior Colson and Michael Barrett being able to start there, but now this linebacker room is incredibly deep. You have Junior Colson, you have Michael Barrett, Ernest Hausman, Jaden Hood, and Jimmy Rolder have matured. Having another year when you're just right now a sophomore or a redshirt sophomore, having another year of preseason work is so important, and that's where a lot of the major growth occurs. Like Michael Barrett, for example. Could he have a massive breakout year like Kenny Pickett did in his final year? Yes, but the likelihood is the 
when you're in that sophomore, redshirt, sophomore, junior state, that's where you're going to break out. And after that, then you are what you are. So Barrett, I wish the best of luck to him. However, we do know what Michael Barrett is as a linebacker. He's a great linebacker. But Jaden Hood, Jimmy Rolder, they probably have a higher ceiling to them. So we'll have to see how that competition goes. For now, I'm going to say that Michael Barrett will start. I think that he does improve. And last year, he had his best season, and I think he's coming back with a chip on his shoulder. So a whole lot of buzz surrounding the linebacker room, and that's very good. The front seven for this team is great. However, there's a position that I think is going to be better than the front seven, and that's the secondary. However, especially at cornerback, there has not been a lot of great news. There's been a lot of radio silence regarding the secondary. Now, you can take that as a good thing. You can take that as a bad thing. I think Michigan's going to have the best secondary in the country, and I think Steve Klinkscale, the man pictured up here, is a big reason why, and Jesse Minner will certainly help as well as D.C. The cornerback position has not received a lot of buzz, though. However, Amorian Walker, many are high on him and are hoping that he eventually starts. I think it's going to take probably longer than many would wish for Amorian Walker to fully adjust to that cornerback spot. I think Jaden McBurrows right now would certainly be the better cornerback. And Josh Wallace is a solid player. Now, he played at UMass, and he's coming to a much tougher league, but he's also getting much superior coaching. Mike Sainer is still more of a cornerback build, but he is at noseback, so that's a separate position. However, he's going to be great. He's going to improve a ton. I have no doubt about that. It took him one year, which is unusual, to fully transition and be a better player at a new position. This year, he's going to have a breakout year. Will Johnson, when he's healthy and when he recovers, he'll be an All-American this season at corner. So I'm confident that the secondary is still elite. They're still great. Yes, there are concerns. If I'm being honest, though, I'm probably a little more concerned about whether it be wide probably wide receiver, or whether it be the defensive line, whether that's defensive tackle or defensive end. And even though those positions are proven and they have talent, they don't have an alpha player there in my book. I don't think they do. Chris Jenkins would be the closest to that, but I think Will Johnson is the best player on the defense when he's healthy. Though Chris Jenkins will have a lot to say to that, and I hope that Chris Jenkins It'd be awesome to have a defensive tackle as the defense's best player, and I have no doubt that he'll be a first or second round selection in the 2024 draft. But here are some position battles. We didn't talk about the running back room initially, but it's worth talking about because Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, they're going to be competing for who gets more snaps. Now, Corum typically has been healthier. Edwards has struggled with health for both 2021, but especially last year, where he could have been used a lot more in, let's say, the Illinois game. However, both of these running backs are elite. Corum's more reliable. Edwards has that first-round ceiling. I don't see Corum being taken in the first round unless he has a breakthrough year in skill set or a team's desperate. He just doesn't have the height and the overall build or receiving ability, in my opinion, to be taken in the first round. But he's a great value running back. He's right now, I'd say, the best running back in the country. 
The question is, over time and if he can stay healthy, will Donovan Edwards overtake him as running back number one? Because there's a strong possibility of that happening. And every day that passes, in fact, I'm, I like Donovan Edwards so much as a running back, I have him as my background on my iPhone. So all that being said, and I never thought I would own an iPhone, but anyway, I think that Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum, they're going to battle it out. Now, since they're a part of a running back by committee, it won't be very public. It won't be something that's reported on much because they're both still going to break well over a thousand rushing yards, regardless of who's the better running back. But that's something to keep in mind. At offensive tackle, Henderson and Barnhart look to start, but Trent A. Jones, I think, will get significant playing time. Trent A. Jones was graded higher than Carson Barnhart, according to PFF, but I trust the staff more than I do PFF. So Carson Barnhart, I think for now, is the better player. But both him and Jones don't have any more eligibility after this season. So they are going to be battling every day, even during the regular season, for that right tackle spot. Ladarius Henderson has locked down the left tackle spot. He is he's an awesome player. Miles Hinton is also a big guy at offensive tackle as well. So Hinton will also have something to say about starting at left tackle. The interior line's pretty set. It's going to be Drake Nugent at center, Zach Sinner, Trevor Keegan at guard, and Giovanni Alhadi will sub, sub in for any of them if they get hurt or if it's garbage time. But offensive tackle, there's a numerous amount of battles there. Wide receiver, Cornelius Johnson and Roman Wilson are great. They're locked in. One of them's going to have a breakout year and I think be wide receiver one. But who will wide receiver three be? That could be Tyler Morris. Could be Darius Clemens, Peyton O'Leary had a great spring game, so far having a good fall camp. Christian Dixon was highly recruited, and I think that Christian Dixon, overall, looking at him, no one's talking about him much, but he's climbed up the depth chart. He was a third or fourth string wide receiver, now he's a second string. So we'll see who can be that wide receiver three. Part of me feels like that will be something that I'm incapable of predicting because there's unpredictability there. On defense, Harrell and McGregor will likely start. Stewart and Moore, though, they're near elite defensive ends, if not elite. And I think Stewart, as I've already said, will get significant playing time. Derek Moore had a collection of sacks last year. He's poised to take a step forward. And I'm saying many players are poised to take a step forward, but... That's because so many players return, and Michigan had so many talented freshmen, sophomores, or backups last year. This team truly is loaded, and it might sound cliche, it might even sound wrong or strange to say that Michigan has national championship depth, because they haven't had that every year Jim Harbaugh's been here. In fact, I would say this year, and potentially there's a debate that last year's team had this kind of depth necessary to win it all. The first time since 2006, or going back before that, 1997. This team is loaded, and just because Michigan winning the national title in the 21st century hasn't happened, doesn't mean it can't happen. But we'll have to see with on-the-field results, of course. Jenkins, he's locked up the starting defensive tackle spot. But what about Mason Graham? What about Rashawn Benny? What about Kenneth Grant? 
all of them, I think, are over 300 pounds now. And all of them are being praised by Jim Harbaugh. I think all will get playing time, but by my guess, outside of Jenkins, I think Mason Graham will be the next starting defensive tackle. And finally, Will Johnson will be recovering from injury. I don't think he'll play in the first two, three, four games. Probably two or three games he won't play. And he shouldn't. If he's recovering from an injury, he needs to be 100% before returning because we're going to need him against Ohio State. If Michigan does not have him against Ohio State, there is a very good chance that Ohio State wins by double digits because that is a mismatch opportunity that Ohio State will exploit. And with the Buckeyes having a better run game and a much better defense, the game's just going to be closer than it has for the past two seasons. It's going to be more competitive than ever before in recent memory, probably as competitive as the 2016 game or the 2017 game, which was competitive for at least three quarters and still wasn't a blowout at the end. So really more so competitive for four quarters outside of the last five minutes when O'Korn threw that disgusting interception. So Will Johnson's a very key player, but if Amorian Walker can evolve to the cornerback position, if McBurrows can be good, which I think he will, and if Wallace has a higher ceiling than I think, maybe even without Will Johnson, Michigan's secondary can still perform at that near-elite level and contain elite offenses like Ohio State. But we'll have to see. That's my video talking about Michigan's fall camp news and giving my thoughts on the Michigan Wolverines in relationship to the news coming out of fall camp. Thank you guys for watching. If you're listening on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google, Anchor, or any other, like Amazon Music, any other website or app that I'm on, please make sure to subscribe and or follow the channel. And if you're on YouTube, please hit the notification bell and like this video. Thank you guys for watching, and I'll see you all around. Bye-bye.